Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hey there, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm fantastic. And this is the Wednesday, January 12th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. We have got some stuff to talk about. That national championship game did not go to plan the way that we thought it would. Yeah, for or sure. anybody probably thought it would. Georgia fans knew that was probably going to happen, or was hopefully not it was like gonna happen. that. I mean, that was like the final score, which is obviously misleading. Um, compare, you know, if you watch the game, <laughs> right? You know, it, it's you know, the score makes it sound like it was just an absolute blowout, but that's not kind of how it evolved. Um, but it was a good game. It was a great game until like the the fourth quarter when Alabama dropped the ball a little bit. I mean, interceptions. Pick six, which Alabama had a chance. Yeah, into I didn't the pick feel six, like Bryce but, had a great game. I mean, neither team had a great game until the very end. I think because I mean, no one really scored a touchdown until late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and then they just went punch for punch. Yeah, and all Alabama fans are going to be throwing around the whole Williams injury, no Mechie, yeah. no Williams, no yeah. star players, everything like right. that. And that is a problem, but. It's mostly the fact that they were trying to rush down the field in a shorter period of time, and they didn't have, they just didn't have the pieces, they didn't have the time, they just looked all out of sorts. Georgia was getting their way like that entire drive when they were trying to march down the field, and then he made an error uh, or bad throw, which led to a pick six. Which that's the reason why the score looks bad because the pick six padded yeah, the whole thing. It did. When in reality, it was like a one-score game until yeah. the very, very last second. Yep. And that's how games usually are. Teams get a, like, a nice little pick or whatever, and that makes it look different. But, yeah, like you said, it was it, it just started out, I think, like the first— It, was, it just felt so slow. first five on. or six scores were field goals. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I was expecting like a lot more offense. I think we would have gotten sides. it if, we had that, if Alabama had the pieces. If Williams was in the game for the extended period of time, we would have a different outcome. Georgia was just the more healthy team going it uh, just going throughout the entire game plus like i mean during those last few drives for georgia alabama's defense didn't look the same it started out really well third quarter it was good and then the fourth quarter it dropped off basically completely when they got those uh few touchdown passes for for georgia but i expected and i think you did too to have at least a couple touchdowns in the first yeah. half at least yeah i wasn't sure. expecting it to wait until when it did and i mean it's just how I was like when I was watching the game. I'm like, it's gonna end up being uh, a, a game by three points because right now no team can do anything with the football and it's all been field goals the entire now, time. That was what that's what Vegas expected. That's what Vegas expected. But also like the amount of like near turnovers at the beginning of the game for Stenson and then also Bryce, where he uh, they thought it was the fumble and then yeah he uh, uh, Stenson ran out of the pocket and dropped the football. So it, they kind of started off sloppy, and then it was just about whoever got clean things up first and who made the least mistakes and in the end georgia made the least mistakes uh in the game but i mean no one really even pictured that being even a possibility i don't think people were going on the whole georgia train uh at that point but i mean it was probably a fun game to go to especially at that end if you're if you're a georgia fan you were you were hyped up about what went down there but also like it seemed like georgia was a completely different team first half to second half because in the first half, it looked like Alabama had more dominance than Georgia did. And then in the second half, Georgia established the dominance. But, and I mean, if they didn't score a touchdown in the playoffs, 
I mean, it would have been no SEC team let up a touchdown, but both defenses played really well basically the entire game. That's why they only had field goals for, for most of the game. But, um, yeah, it was it was interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Um, the second half was way more fun than the first half, so if you tuned in on the second half, you missed nothing in the first <laughs> half other than really slow. I think the first half lasted like two hours. Yeah, it did feel that. I mean, I, no, I think it literally it did. Actually, did I think it literally? I think the game itself was nearly four hours long. Wow! And the first half, is, I think, was about half that because it was all field goals and commercial breaks. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I always like a good football game. Not really that biased in, in college football, but still, yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, it was. All right. So we have a whole slate of playoffs coming up, including the, uh, I guess the. What is it? The first ever Monday night football playoff game? I believe it is actually. Okay, I think so. I think I'm that just got established. I'm all for getting more days with playoff football. Absolutely. In them, uh, so I'm I'm all for it. That's good. Um, there's quite a few coaches that didn't get to go to the playoffs uh, this year, and a number of them were fired. <laughs> yes. Um, oftentimes, uh, it seems like in the in this current iteration of the NFL. Um, a couple of bad seasons is enough for you to lose your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is two years really enough time for a coach to um, to prove themselves. It depends on where you're going to. Like I think during the whole uh, whole thing with the Browns multiple years back, where they're getting rid of coaches after a year. Yeah. That wasn't right because they they can't do anything, right? Because when you draft players and you bring them in through free agency and you trade players and you get what you want, it's going to take multiple years to build chemistry. Uh, it's going to take uh, multiple years to put the exact, exact game plan you want, get the coaches you want. It just takes time. It's a business like anything else, and you got to put the right pieces around you to succeed, and that takes more usually than one to two years. Now, a lot of owners are expecting a win now culture. Like, let's just get wins, get wins, get wins. And if not, we're going to get a guy that can get wins. The issue with that is either that guy won't want to go to your team because he's not going to have enough time to figure things out and he just wants to stay with the winning culture he's already in, or B, he'll go there and he'll sink his career because he doesn't have enough time to fix things up and then he looks like he absolutely flopped as an NFL head coach and then he has to try to uh, put the pieces back together. But I think as far as the Giants are concerned... I think that's one coach that maybe they were on on the on the front edge of something, but I don't think he really I, that team was a little bit kind of having its own share of issues. But guys like the Dolphins, they were fine. They just they were a few tweaks away from being being good for the for the near future. Yeah, they, they let him go pretty late in the season. They were right? and then they got into the playoffs. I think last season, um, and so they've been fine throughout the season. They got good pieces. Tua might have been a little bit of an issue. That's a different story. But I don't know about getting re- releasing him there. Um, Matt Nagy, I, I guess he hasn't had a whole lot of success. And uh, we've a lot. Of, I mean, we've been talking about the fact that they need to move on at this point. But it just seems like I mean, even before this season, the Jets let go of their head coach. The Falcons. The um, what was the team? The Anthony Lynn got fired from the Chargers after like one season and the Chargers didn't even look like that bad of a team. And then they're like, okay, moving on to the next guy. So what's ended up happening is you get this weird, weird situation where coaches are disposable. It's just like fix things up for me right now and I'll let you stay. But if you can't, and it's taking longer than I expected it to, 
you'll probably be gone. And and that's what we've seen. Even It's not even head coaches. It's assistant coaches. It's offensive coordinators. It's defensive coordinators. It's um, uh, position group co- uh, coaches. I mean, Carolina is a case in point of that. They've gotten rid of pretty much every coach on their, on their their um in their organization except the head coach who they're like, maybe he's gone, maybe not. Also, like, I feel like it's out of blue, out of the blue, the fact that Mike Zimmer was fired. Like, I didn't think his team was doing that bad that he deserved to be fired. Uh, I get they didn't make the playoffs this season, but their team is a good team right now, and he was doing a good job of the coach, coaching that. I don't know about yeah. moving on. I think what's end this, what's happening in a lot of um, owners' minds is look at all these other younger coaches that are coming in and they're getting to the playoffs and they're starting something. I want to join that front edge of coaches, or they're like, look at all these coordinators that are sitting available. Available, let's get our hands and see if we can see if we can pull a guy in and see if they can start things up. But if I was an if I was a offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, position group guy for the the Cowboys, the Bucks, uh, the the Chiefs, um, the 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 Rams, the Chargers, anywhere like that, I would be like, no, I don't want the coaching head coaching job right now because right now you have not established that you're going to keep guys for an extended period of time, and and I I don't know if I'm going to be safe in that environment as far as do I have a job stability right now I do so why would I go to your team and probably get scrutinized by the fan base over and over again the owner claims he has the back of the coaches but then he gets rid of them pretty quickly so I'm just going to stay in the situation I'm in right now and I'm not going to give that the time of day because I don't want to a ruin my career and I don't want to have to deal with all of the stuff that goes with it so what you're going to get is a lot of older coaches that are probably at the end of their career. Um, Bill O'Brien trying to get him back in the league. Yeah. Guys like that, those guys who want another opportunity in the NFL, maybe you can get them to come back. Um, but younger coaches that are in a perfectly good situation where they're at right now, they'll just probably wait, and eventually their head, the head coach of that team will retire, and they might be able to get in there, or a different team that's actually reasonable will want them. But I just and I just don't think many coaches want to go to a team like Jacksonville or the Bears, maybe Miami. But it just if this is if they're just getting kind of passed up like this, I just don't think that's that's necessary. And then for the second point, can you prove yourself in two years? No, you can't. I mean, with a lot of these franchises, they're so far back from these other franchises in the league that the 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 lead dogs that they're, they're more than just one or two tweaks away. When you're one or two tweaks away and you can't do that in one... Like, if you are go to Miami and you fail to make sure that they get to where they need to be, I get that. But if you're going to a team like the Jaguars, who are in desperate need of a good coach that can turn things around and get things where they need to be for a long period of time and you just let them go immediately, it's just not going to work for, for, for your team and for anything to turn around. I mean, most of the time... Unless the last coach that was just there gets them to the point that they're about to succeed, and then they fire him, and then you come in, then you can make success. But it has to be at least three three years tops, and then you can see that's enough of a sample size. But one to two years and just letting them go, it just seems like you don't really care about the coach, and you're just win now, win now, win now. And that's just not the reality of what the NFL is, is at right now. But we also saw a lot of this time around, it's not just coaches getting fired, it's GMs getting fired. Uh, and they want a new GM. So they kind of just like, they're not even like fire coaches over and over again. They're like, get rid of clean house, get a guy in that can start from scratch, get us to where they need to be and then rebuild. So this actually, this wave of next coaches and GMs might have a bit more stability than coaches prior because they're coming in with a new GM. Meaning the GM might be a little more merciful with the coach, kind of 
kind of get things going and they might have an extra little bit of time. But the way it's at right now needs to be changed because you're going to scare away a lot of coaches that are going to be good NFL head coaches because you're not giving them enough time yeah. and they don't think it's enough. Uh, it's it's too much risk without enough reward with right. the way you're giving it to them right now. Yeah, makes sense. So let's uh, move to the NBA for a minute. Um, so going into this season, the Lakers, you know, the big three, there was, uh, you know, a lot of hype around them and the fact that they could be championship bound this year if everyone's able to stay he- <clears throat> stay healthy as they as they work work their way through the long NBA season. Uh, but now here we are uh, in January, and uh, they're starting to you know be all of these rumors and you know, looking for pieces to add to the team. Um, you know what's what's going on? What's going on in LA? Are the Lakers? Um, are the Lakers, uh, what, 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 what pathway are they on? What trajectory are they on? Are they headed their way to the championship? Are they headed their way to, uh, to dysfunctional disaster? I think they're, what they did was they tried to, when they started the season, the media and like the, the, the buzz around the organization, the Lakers was on all time high because of the nets. Everyone's like, okay, this is our big three. We can do something with this. But then you get into the season and reality sets in. Anthony Davis cannot stay healthy. LeBron James cannot stay healthy. And Russell Westbrook is not that great a player anymore at this point in his career. He's having plenty of difficulties. So now they're like, okay, should we get rid of Russell Westbrook? Should we bring guys in? What are we doing here? And so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to stay on the course of, you can't get mad at me either way because right now we're rebuilding. That's what we're going to kind of lean towards. And we're going to pull guys in. We're going to see if we can patch the boat up. But right now we're trying to figure out their identity. We lost a lot of players uh, in free agency. Guys let go of. We're kind of starting a little bit fresh. Forget about the big three. We're not healthy right now. We're we're going to be playing smaller ball. We're not going to be playing as much with the bigger guys. We're going to keep the smaller guys in, try to get the perimeter shooting, all that stuff. Maybe get Gary uh, Trent Jr. in here, all that stuff. And then and then if it succeeds, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we were going for the championship the whole time. And we were, you know, we were just kind of – but it looks like – at least what it seems like right now is that they're just dancing that line of which one do we want to call first. Because if they fail to make it to the playoffs, I think more than – all, I mean, probably more than half of the, I mean, actually probably more. I think like 80 or 90% of the Laker fans would be more than happy to tell their friends, oh, we were rebuilding this year. You know, we weren't healthy. Uh, we were getting guys in. We were kind of rebooting, getting things to where we needed to be. Or if they make it all the way to the, into the playoffs and they're championship bound, they're going to be like, see, I told you, all we needed was a few extra pieces, some some tweaks and whatnot. But it seems like it's kind of a genius plan because – because right now they can pull pieces in and they can act because when a team's play, uh, playoff bound, hardly ever do you hear them say stuff like, we're not healthy, we need to get players in here, are we getting rid of Russell Westbrook? Like like the or the Rams this season, when everyone's expecting playoff um, or Super Bowl or bust for the Rams, the Rams weren't even thinking about, okay, we got to get rid of um, uh, Aaron Donald, we got to get rid of... Um, our, our, uh, Cam Akers, we got to get rid of all these guys and then bring some other guys in and see if we can scrape together a championship. No, they were adding to what they have right now. But they, what we're in right now is we were they were thinking about putting, sending Russell Westbrook away, and they, they tried as hard as they could to get Russell Westbrook onto this team. So they're kind of – it seems like to me that they're kind of just, just teeter-tottering on this line of – it doesn't matter either way. We just got to figure out where we're sitting on and we're just going to keep doing things and adding pieces until we get things into a form, into a mold that we want them to be in. The problem with that is right now you're not, you're not really succeeding. 
Uh, there's times of success and there's times of downgrade. I don't think we'll see the same Lakers team that we see right now in the near future. I don't know if they should hold on to Anthony Davis. He's just not healthy enough. He's getting injured constantly. I mean, a lot of these Laker guys, this is like a one-time deal, it would seem like, because why would they keep most of these guys? Because they're then the back part of their career. Russell Westbrook probably won't be there. Anthony Davis probably won't be here. So if 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 they're trying to do this like play, uh, playoff championship slash rebuild, they're doing it correctly is what I'd say there because what they're doing, like I mentioned, is they're getting all these pieces as a rebuild, but they're also saying that these pieces can and will help us win a championship if we get all the way there because Gary Trent can do good things. He's home in Portland. He made success there. And now at Toronto, he's turning head. So that's good. And so they have the pieces to succeed, but these pieces won't be there uh, next season. So they can pretend they're going for this championship crown, but I imagine behind the scenes, the conversations aren't like, yes, we're going to win the championship. We're in perfect position to succeed. All these players are healthy and well, and we have nothing to worry about. They're probably more like Russell Westbrook's having a lot of turnovers, struggling. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. We need to get guys into into our locker room that can try to make it look like we're not sinking ship. But in reality, they're kind of more on that edge. But, I mean, because it's hard to live up to that expectation, especially with the type of team they have. I think it was unrealistic to expect a big three out of the Lakers, especially with the pieces that are the big three. Um, the big three of the Nets was uh, Irving, it was Durant, it was Harden. These guys aren't at the same career, part, uh, age of their career or part of their career that LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are in. Russell Westbrook probably is in more of that area with um, with Harden, but Anthony Davis and LeBron James are kind of getting up there on in the age, and they they got a and and it wasn't it was kind of dumb to expect anything other than what to expect when they're when basketball yeah. players get to that that sort of age but it would seem like to me they are closer to a rebuild than then they are to a championship and it seems like the organization knows that but the fan base wants to keep going on this this high that they experienced sure. at the beginning of the season yeah. so they're just going to keep going like yes we're going championship but we're actually rebuilding and we'll see you in a couple years in the championship right. all right Okay, well, let's jump back over to uh, to the NFL. As we talked about a moment ago, the playoffs are coming uh, this weekend, and I know you have been spending time uh, sort of analyzing the various matchups. And uh, I think on Friday you intend to spend most of the episode uh, uh, covering, I guess, a couple of the games and uh, sort of in preview of that. Uh, you'd like to go ahead and break down the uh, Los Angeles Rams versus. Uh, the Arizona Cardinal game um, in preview. So what do you think? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I've been doing spending a significant amount of time watching the last three games that each team's played, plus any re- matches that they played against each other. In Arizona, and in, in the Rams have spent two games this season against each other. The first one wasn't great. The second one was better. But And I took notes on it, obviously, because I can't memorize each game. Um, Yeah, you can. No, you can't. It's too much information in there. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so when I was watching it, I noticed a couple things about the Rams. The Rams are extremely predictable in their route route combinations they're always these like either in the middle slants or they're going to the outsides and these like little cut like slants to the to the boundary is what they kind of try to do and they do it a lot 
but the issue with that is the Arizona Cardinals struggle with that. And so what I was thinking is it's it, it's pretty easy to beat this type of route combination. I don't think that the that the um, the Arizona Cardinals should be playing uh, uh, man coverage on it because I just don't think that will that will help them all that much. They got to be playing zone coverage and having guys in the flat waiting for uh, for the um, the Rams players to cut across their face and then carrying and then try to break it up. Or they should be playing uh, man coverage with a with a robber on it, and I th- or or cop depending on what they think. And I think the robber would be what better. What are you talking about? I, I was going to okay, get there and second. explain. I was going to explain it. Okay, so I, what I mean robbers is robbers and cops. Like, I, what are you talking about? What I mean is this: the, in a man coverage, okay. all the players get aligned, obviously like normal. But right, so there's a player. There's a so safety. everybody on defense has assigned uh, to them a player, a player. on offense. It's yeah. man coverage. Man coverage. As and opposed to zone coverage. Which each player, there's zones that they're assigned to, and as a player cuts a, into that zone, they carry, and they take right, that so you guy. you own an area of the field. And and there's a lot of switching and stuff, and the reason yeah. that's bad for, for the Arizona Cardinals is these players are constantly cutting in between zones when they're on these slant patterns that what ends up happening is they find these weak spots because it can be miscommunication between the Arizona Cardinal players and they struggle with getting back to their guy uh, and end up kind of messing up the play and and then that's not good but with man coverage robber and what I mean by the robber is there's a safety and the safety is responsible for anyone that cuts into the middle of the field so he'll come in and and, and so then the uh, guy that was initially covering let's say uh, a linebacker is responsible for uh, it's the Rams, so OBJ. Okay. So he's going to cover OBJ, but as he gets behind him, the robber, the safety, will come in and he'll deal with it, meaning there's not going to be a, any gap there, and then that extra player can go and guard whoever they like to, I mean, whoever okay. needs to be guarded in that situation. So I think that would be helpful because then that middle of the field is accounted for, right? So if you're playing that type of coverage, if a guy's falling behind or whatever that safety can come in and help out be yeah. help in that situation and therefore that middle of the field is not going to be a vulnerable spot now that might work but we didn't really see them do that at all and <laughs> when they were playing the last few matchups they need to be doing that but for arizona or the rams on defense arizona on offense this is where i think it's going to the the course of the game is going to be hinging on this. And I'll get back to the Rams in a second. So I had something else I wanted to mention there. But for the uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, they need to be fast with their play calls and get the ball out early. But I and because and the reason for that is if the if the Rams can get home and corral Kyler Murray in and on rundowns, make sure the perimeter is hemmed in and can't let them get on the outside plays break down for Arizona quick. They can't do anything at that point because when you kind of hem in Kyler Murray, he's trying to scramble for his life, but he's also looking at the defender. So he can't look downfield, right? So in that point, man coverage for the Rams would work the best because, and my, my thinking on the man coverage is each player is aligned. Each defensive player is aligned an offensive player. And what, uh, what the Arizona Cardinals like to do is they like to throw it behind the line of scrimmage and then run forward and try to get as much charge as you can. If you have in man coverage, you have a guy right there accountable for the running back. He can come and make a play, stop him, and they can't get anything going. But what's most important for this, for this, um, for this Rams team is to get at Kyler Murray quick um, and get at him fast because it, it, because when you get, get to him, he can't get as much done. 
Um, and so I also think uh, zone coverage is bad for the Rams, which is kind of the exact opposite I mentioned for the Arizona Cardinals. And the reason I think it's bad for for the Rams is when you're playing zone, like I mentioned, there's little holes where there's not a guy responsible for that spot. And so that what can end up happening is Arizona is really good at finding those little holes and getting there and turning it into a bigger play. And then the guys are scrambling to get him. And a lot of times these guys are taller uh, or in Zachert's case, bigger and taller than these guys. So it takes a lot more guys to bring them down, therefore sacrificing more yards. With man coverage, each guy's responsible for a certain guy, which then stops them from being able to make those big plays. You just got to make the come up, make the tackle, and then have some help. But they got to make sure they're doing that. Uh, in the run game for for the Arizona Cardinals, like I mentioned, they've got to come in and they got to hit. James Conner early. If they can get to him and corral him and keep him hemmed in, it works every time in the run game becomes basically non-existent. But what we saw with the uh, in the uh, 49ers game is what ends up happening is they start doing that and then they all of a sudden just trailed off and and they were playing um, zone coverage, which was completely wrong against uh, against the 49ers. But my point is the same thing can happen with this Arizona team. And so they got to do a better job of just making sure they're playing man coverage and they're getting their guy and they're they're playing 1v1 because these guys are good enough to break up a lot of these passes. But the reason I want to talk about this game is because it just came out that no Hopkins in this game and no J.J. Watt. So um, two uh, very important pieces kind of are not going to be playing in this game, which is good. That means, and I had this in my notes, uh, if Hopkins is not playing then you should play man coverage because if Hopkins is playing, then you have to put a, a safety over top of the cornerback to add help so he can't get beat. There's adds a whole nother level of complication. But when it's just A.J. Green and uh, Kirk as your two main guys and James Conner and, and Zach Ertz, play man coverage because you can definitely meet these guys and stop them, get Kyler Murray out of his rhythm. Now to switch back for – I want to switch back one more time to uh, – to the Arizona Cardinals being on defense and the Rams being on offense. Something that Arizona is really bad at <laughs> as a team is run defense. And we saw this against when the Arizona Cardinals played Seattle. And we saw it when, uh, in particular, the the second time, the Monday night game between the Rams and the, and, the, and the Arizona Cardinals, they were able to pull off big runs against this Arizona Cardinals defense. They just kept pounding, pounding, and pounding, and eventually it broke, and they were able to pull off 20, 30-yard runs. So they've got to be careful, and as an Arizona as Arizona is concerned, they've got to be making sure they kind of get to the guy quick and fast because it's going to become an issue for them. Um, and then also, one more point I wanted to make, uh, Matthew Stafford has a very big weakness. So, as I mentioned for Arizona, I think they should be playing zone or man robber type defenses. Um, but I also think that they should be letting the the short stuff happen. Make the confidence happen for the Rams. Because when they have the confidence, be ready. Because then they're going to start. I saw this many times. They were confident. The fat drive was just pounding, going, 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 going. They were excited. They were going. And then they made the mistake of doing the deep ball. So whenever they do the deep ball, a lot of times there's going to be an aired throw Something wrong with it. It's going to be in double coverage, not the best situation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But if you're ready for it and you're playing guys maybe cover two where there's two safeties back, everywhere else is man coverage, these guys can get to the corners and help you out. And when they're there and the safeties are back there, 
that's when big things will happen for them because what ends up happening is Matthew Stafford somehow like when he's either excited or he's in or he's stressed out he's trying to make things happen he forces things a little bit and therefore you can get your interception so they got to make sure that they're ready for the deep play to be happening and when it does happen make sure there's safety help back there when you think that they're in a rhythm in a roll I'd recommend putting a couple safeties back there and see if you can help them make some mistakes but I also and then for the keys to success for this team for both teams that's kind of the breakdown of what I saw but for Arizona the key success is get out early get the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands don't let him take sacks don't let him dare uh, the defense get things going and get the run game established but if it's not working be okay with throwing the football and whenever they give you zone coverage because it's gonna happen I think the only time uh, the Rams should give zone coverage is in the red zone because then they can disguise things. These guys can be playing in zones, and Kyler Murray sometimes has a hard time seeing over the taller defenders. He can make mistakes there. So that's when I would recommend it. But whenever they're playing zone and you're marching on the field, whenever someone's open, immediately get out of your hands. That's going to be a key thing for Kyler Murray. Get it out of your hand immediately and quickly, and you'll have success. Uh, and I also think that jumping out to an early lead is going to help you because then the Rams had to play from behind, which is good for any team. But for Matthew Stafford, I think it's going to get to his head a little bit and he can make some mistakes with the football. If you're the Rams, uh, pound the rock as far as the run game. Run run as many times as you possibly can and try to get some new route, route combinations in your um, as far as your route tree, because you're you're basically running the same play over and over and over again, and it's going to become predictable. So you need to be careful with that as well. But if you're the if you're the Rams, get to Kyler Murray quickly, get him pressure because then he likes to scramble around back there, and you can get to him, and then he's, they're going to lose a lot of yardage. Make sure you hem him in for the entire play. And make sure the defenders are sticky. That's why I like man coverage for for the Rams because uh, zone or man coverage, because, or actually no man coverage because um, because the, then they can be sticky. They can be on their guy and they could give zero um, zero room for room for the players to to kind of finagle in there. Because if they're open, Kyler Murray will find them and they will make a completion. So if you can keep them hemmed in, you can't get them to the, let them get to the side and then get to sacks, then you're going to have success. Also, if you're going to do a deep ball, make sure there's at least five yards of separation between the defender and the wide receiver. That's not going to happen all the time, but when it does, take advantage of it. But if it's not, don't make a dumb mistake and force the football. Um, and then during the entire game, you had to keep doing the exact same thing because if you let off, like we saw in the 49ers game, that's when issues started to come out and we started to see some bad plays. Um, so I think... I think those are kind of the, the, the key to success that I saw for the the last three games for the Rams plus the two games that they played. But, yeah, I hope that helps. Awesome. Very good. Oh, actually, one more thing I yes. forgot to mention here. Sure. I forgot to pick a winner. So uh, in this game, I think it's going to – I saw the spread was like plus four for Arizona. It's at SoFi Stadium, so the atmosphere is going to be in Rams' favor. I don't know why someone would pick Arizona – Plus four. It's not like I have something against the Arizona Cardinals. I love the Arizona Cardinals. I think they're going to go all the way now. You don't, really. <laughs> if anybody's been listening for any time, they know that. Uh, but I think the uh, I think it's going to be Rams by seven. I think uh, okay. Rams will cover the spread yep. plus three. Okay. I think that sounds about right. I think I think it could be bigger than that, I just, actually. I try to be like careful with the picks, keep them conservative. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it could be bigger, just because I think the Rams – 
quarterback Matthew Stafford is so inexperienced with this playoff games. Yeah. I think the Rams are going or the defense of the Rams is going to have to carry them to victory a little bit and keep things kind of at bay for Matthew Stafford to not feel pressure and kind of make mistakes. Yeah. Anything above 7 I don't feel comfortable with. The most I would go with is plus or plus 10 for the Rams, but I think that 3 point I think the Rams will cover the spread plus 3 it seems okay. it seems good to me. All right. Well, uh Till Friday, then. Yes, indeed. All right. We'll see you. Hey, listeners, if you haven't done so already, please uh, subscribe. That lets us know that you're there and helps uh, make sure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they're uh, available so that you can listen to them. Right? Mm-hmm. All indeed. right. Cool. All right. Well, good hanging out. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Listeners, talk soon. See you. See you.